G'day folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. This week we're going to do things a little bit differently. This week we had the latest release of Ubuntu, Ubuntu 22.10, the Kinetic Kudu. It's a uh, interim release supported for nine months, and so I'm going to go into a bunch of details about that. Uh, usually, as you'd probably know, we'd do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. However, uh, being yeah, a busy week with release out, plus the next few weeks being uh, product and uh, engineering sprints as well at Canonical, uh, things have been very hectic. So yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had the chance to get together all the details on that. If you want to know more, you can always go to ubuntu.com security and see all the security notices there. Uh, or you can just you know, upgrade or make sure that you've got uh, unintended upgrades running to automatically install your security updates for you. Uh, you know, at a high level, we had updates for GMP, Unzip, XML Security Library, uh, what else, Heimdall, uh, a bunch of kernel updates as always. Thanks as always to the kernel team for those. Postgres, uh, Gthumb, Zlib, uh, FRR, uh, the replacement for Quagga, uh, Git, and I guess the big one for the week was libksba. And so, I, you know, to give those of you who do like to listen to uh, vulnerability, talk about vulnerabilities and things like that, uh, this was the one that I thought I would go into some detail on. Uh, so in this case, it's an update for libksba for a single vulnerability, and it goes all the way back to Ubuntu 14.04 Extended Security Maintenance, as well as 16.04 Extended Security Maintenance, 18.04, 20.04, and 22.04 long-term support. The vulnerability was rated with a high priority by us. Uh, Upstream have said that it's a severe vulnerability and so yeah, one that I guess wanted to go into some more detail on. Now, libksba is probably a library that you're not too familiar with. However, uh, it's developed by uh, the GNU PG project. Uh, it's used by GNU PG and others. Uh, in this case, it's a library used to parse and build ASN1 objects that are encoded uh, within uh, or that are contained within SMIME or X509 certificates and others. Uh, so ASN1 is, uh, I guess, way of encoding data. It supports various different encoding formats, uh, basic encoding rules, distinguished encoding rules, uh, and a bunch of other ways. But both of those use this tag length value scheme to encode objects. So you have a tag that kind of says what the object type is, a length for it, and then obviously the value uh, after that. That's how it's sort of written out in bytes. And so uh, when it would copy these objects around, it's going to copy around a header that describes that plus the object itself. Uh, it does a check, obviously, to make sure that that's not too big uh, to overflow the buffer that it's using. However, it just adds those two values together. And so uh, in doing that, you can get an integer overflow. Essentially, the header is a fixed size, but uh, the object size could be anything. And so if someone has encoded a really big object uh, in their ASM1 structure, uh, that check or that sum would overflow. It would then appear. So when that integer overflows, it wraps around to being a really small number. Uh, and so that then is appears to be a lot smaller than the resulting buffer size. So it will then happily copy all of that data into there, even though obviously it's a lot bigger than it, uh, than it should be. That then leads obviously to a buffer overflow. Uh, upstream have said that they think it should be reasonably easy for, uh, I guess, people with the appropriate skills to develop exploits, even though they're not aware of one uh, being used in production or being uh, out in the wild. Uh, in the case of Ubuntu, uh, it's used by a bunch of uh, tools in particular, uh, GPGSM, that's sort of the uh, second cousin to the standard GPG tool that's used for handling SMIME signed data. So if you're, I guess, dealing with SMIME signed emails and the like, uh, it's a pretty obvious attack vector there, uh, as well as the DER Manager tool uh, that's responsible for parsing and loading certificate revocation lists, verifying certs used by TLS uh, in, some certain, in some circumstances and others. So yeah, I guess uh, you know a reasonable kind of attack service there, particularly if you're doing anything uh, with SMIME uh, you know, encrypted uh, email or that kind of thing as well. So yeah, uh, update there for libksba. Uh, thanks to Steve Beadle and our team for working on that. That does bring us to the end of the roundup of security updates. 
The other thing that I yeah, really want to talk about this week is the uh, announcement of the Ubuntu 22.10 Kinetic Kudu release. So uh, this went out, uh, well, actually just overnight for me, but uh, you know, for most people, it's probably earlier in the day. Uh, if you're listening to this on a Friday, it was yesterday on Thursday. Uh, it is the latest interim release of Ubuntu. That means it's supported for nine months. It contains a bunch of different updates that are quite interesting, particularly from a security point of view. So in particular, the kernel is updated uh, to 5.19. Uh, Security-wise, that includes uh, improvements for things like uh, faster random number generation. Uh, the entropy extraction has switched from SHA-1 to Blake-2S. Uh, it also includes support for Intel Trust Domain Extensions, uh, or TDX. Now, this is the successor to SGX, uh, software guard extensions that now have been deprecated by Intel. Essentially, uh, I guess Intel have learned a bunch of lessons through the implementation of SGX and, I guess, different attacks on that, but also, I guess, how uh, hard that has been potentially to use for application developers and the like, uh, and they've built TDX as a successor to that. Uh, it works by essentially virtualizing the entire confidential computing environment. So it's kind of equivalent to an SGX enclave. Uh, it uses a whole new processor mode that they call SEAM, SEAM. And then it allows you to essentially, by, by virtualizing that entire environment, allows you to deploy legacy applications within uh, that kind of confidential enclave without having to adapt them uh, to a different programming model, which is the way that uh, you had to do things with SGX. Uh, so that's cool to see. As well, uh, from our team, uh, AppArmor has been updated. Now that includes updates uh, both within the kernel and the user space. But uh, the two sort of headline features for that are support for mediating POSIX message queues. Uh, that's not been possible before with AppArmor, as well as the ability to mediate unprivileged user namespaces. Now, some of the upstream uh, user namespace developers have been kind of resistant to this change. There is a, a syscall already in the upstream kernel that allows you to essentially limit the number of unprivileged user namespaces that can be created. And kind of they look at that as saying, well, that should be a way that you can then limit, you know, how many applications can use unprivileged user namespaces. In Ubuntu, uh, we take the approach that Debian took as well to add sort of a global syscall that allows you just to kind of disable them entirely. Uh, but uh, the problem, I guess, with them is that they've often been used uh, to increase the attack service of the kernel. The idea of an unprivileged user namespace is that you can uh, create this namespace that then, uh, say, you can be running as a different user within that. Uh, so the idea is maybe your you know, user ID, standard ID is 1000. You can then be, say, user ID zero root within your unprivileged user namespace. Uh, as the, the name gives it, unprivileged user namespace is that your uh, root within that namespace is really only uh, restricted to what your normal user ID outside of that can do. But the problem is that different parts of the kernel have, uh, I guess, not been updated to account for that. And so they will see certain actions that are taken by you know this supposed root within the user namespace, and they'll allow them to happen even though they really only should be done by the real root on the host system. As I say, that increases your attack service. It's the kind of thing that has been used in particular at uh, competitions like Pwn to Own. Uh, this year, out of the five different Pwn to Own exploits against Ubuntu, four of them used unprivileged user namespaces as a way of, you know, part, or part of building their attack chain so they could attack it. And so uh, John Johansson on our team, uh, the upstream uh, AppArmor maintainer and developer, uh, is kind of pushing this uh, that we really should be able to restrict these a lot more. You know, it's a quite an unsafe feature in general. Obviously, it's a very useful feature because uh, lots of different applications, things like Chrome uses it as part of its sandboxing and the like, Flatpak too. But uh, yeah, we want to make sure that only the applications that really need it have it and obviously not you know, everything because then you know, anything can use it to build an attack. 
So the, the idea within the upstream or the idea within the kernel then is that AppArmor would stop applications that are not appropriately confined from using a uh, unprivileged namespace, and that in general would be you know most applications that are running are untrusted. They run under the uh, unconfined profile, which essentially gives them your know, full access. But AppArmor is able to see that and then say, yep, you're running under unconfined. You're not able to use user namespaces. Uh, but whereas another application that is using uh, that is running under an AppArmor profile that has the user namespace permission within that would then be able to use it this is uh, disabled by default though obviously you know there are lots of applications within ubuntu that we're going to need to update so that out of the box they do have an appropriate app armor profile with the appropriate permission to enable this to work uh, but there is now a new kernel syscall that you can use to turn this on if you want uh, i've got that in the show notes kernel.apparmor restrict unprivileged user ns equals one is what you would set to turn that on and then from that point on anything that is unconfined that wants to use a username space won't be able to so yeah it's a cool way i guess to limit the attack surface there and to harden your uh, machine further and yeah we will be developing that out uh, within the next cycle so 23 or 4 when that release comes out with any luck I guess we hope that we can uh, have all the various things within the Ubuntu archive and others that want to use unprivileged user namespaces uh, that will be updated with an appropriate app armor profile or the like so that they can do that and then obviously everything else things like you know some exploit that's running on your machine won't be able to so yeah hopefully we can uh, bring that in to harden things overall also, from a general point of view, I wanted to go over some of the features in the new release. So uh, on the desktop, Pipewire has now uh, replaced Pulse Audio as the uh, audio server. This brings things like improved Bluetooth handling and a bunch of others as well. Uh, it also includes the latest GNOME version, GNOME 43. In that case, uh, Gedit or Gedit, as I've heard it uh, announced, which I kind of like, Gedit, has been replaced by GNOME Text Editor. Uh, GNOME Terminal was going to be replaced by the new GNOME console, but due to a bunch of bugs, in particular with GTK4 and the handling of things like copy and paste and the like uh, that has been delayed so yeah gnome terminal is still the default terminal but you can go and use gnome console uh, it does if you do use gnome console i kind of like it myself because it does things like when you ssh to another machine it changes the title bar color or if you say run something under sudo then it changes the title bar color to red so it's a nice obvious indicator uh, to you you know a bit of a uh, hint that hey you're doing something either uh, in a different context or on a different machine that kind of thing uh, it updates LibreOffice to 7.4. What else? We've got updated versions of Firefox and Thunderbird, but yeah, we do update those in the standard releases as well. Uh, updated BlueZ, Cups Network Manager, uh, the latest Mesa 22 as well for all of you gamers. Uh, then looking at the server, uh, Ubuntu server, uh, SSH daemon is now uh, uses systemd socket activation. That means that in general, it's not actually running. Uh, it, when someone goes and tries to say connect to port 22, uh, systemd will then actually spawn SSH, uh, the SSH daemon itself after that. That means you've got a little less uh, memory being used in general, and that's uh, really good for things like containers and the like. Uh, there's also improved support for integration with Windows Server uh, via LDAP channel binding and LDAP signing in Cyrus Sazzle 2. Uh, by 9 supports uh, remote TLS verification in both NAMD and DIG, uh, and that allows you then to implement strict and mutual TLS authentication. What else? Uh, a bunch of other things updated, so ContainerD, RunC, and Docker. Uh, updated QMU, which brings improved emulation of RISC-V and S390X. Uh, similarly, an updated libvirt brings uh, PVC64 Power10 processor support. And uh, for anyone doing development on Ubuntu, which I know is a lot of people listening to this, uh, there is now the new Debug Info D server that's been set up and the integration with that with GDB. Uh, what that means is that when you're uh, developing something and you say you have a crash or whatever in GDB, or maybe it's not even a crash, maybe just inspecting your application, 
and you've linked against a bunch of the different packages in the Ubuntu archive, instead of having to go and download the uh, debug sims or the DDEBs as they're called uh, to get uh, nice debugging symbols for your stack traces and the like, uh, GDB now supports well, supports this idea of debug infod, which uh, then calls out to uh, the debug infod server that is maintained by uh, the Ubuntu server team, and that then contains debugging system debugging symbols for all of the different libraries that are in the Ubuntu archive, and so that then means you don't have to have manually set up DDEBs and have them installed and know which ones to install. And the like that will happen automatically automatically on the fly out of the box so that is really cool to see uh, thanks in particular to, uh, to uh, Sergio I think on that team for who's done all the work there as well it includes updated tool chains uh, so you know updated GCC updated Golang uh, Ruby and Rust as well so yeah a heap of different things there uh, as you know this is only an interim support uh, interim release it's only supported for nine months but things like uh, that updated kernel and those features they will be back ported to Ubuntu 22.04 for long-term support uh, via the hardware enablement stack and so uh, a bit later down the track you'll actually be able to get those features as well so that'll be really cool to see too Okay, so yeah, the other thing I mentioned briefly at the start of this is that over the next few weeks, there's a bunch of different things happening internally here at Canonical. Uh, there is a product roadmap sprint where all the different um, product managers and uh, managers and uh, tech leads and all those sorts of people get together and you know plan out the uh, next six months worth of work. Uh, the week after that will be an engineering sprint, so that's all of the engineers getting together uh, to you know collaborate on uh, you know kicking off work for the next cycle. And the week following that is the Ubuntu Summit, and all of these things are taking place in Prague in the Czech Republic. So yeah, I myself, I'll be at the first two of those uh, and some other members of the uh, security team that actually be at the Ubuntu Summit as well. Uh, so yeah, it's cool to see the Ubuntu Summit finally uh, alive. You know, it's the, what's the old uh, UDS, Ubuntu Developer Summit. Uh, now it's the Ubuntu Summit, so a little more of an inclusive thing there, which is cool to see, and that's going to be uh, awesome to see what happens there. But as a result of all of that, uh, there will be no podcast for the next three weeks. Uh, so yeah, uh, don't um, don't despair though. We will be back again with you eventually. Uh, you know, In the meantime, if you want to get all the latest Ubuntu security uh, update information, you can always, as I say, check out ubuntu.com slash security, or you can subscribe to the Ubuntu security announce mailing list to get uh, emailed every time we do release a security update. One other thing that I wanted to mention this week was just to do a shout out to a long-term serving team member, Sean Murphy, who uh, is now leaving Canonical. Uh, mate, we wish you all the best. Thank you for leading our team. Uh, you've done a lot of great work and yeah, we are definitely going to miss you. But all the best uh, to your future endeavors and I'm sure we will see you around the traps. All right, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can email us at securityubuntu.com. We also hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on labera.chat and we're on Twitter too, at Ubuntu underscore sec. So thanks everyone for listening again this week. I'll be back again with you all in three weeks time. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I will speak to you soon. Bye.